all the Lulu besties welcome. This is a safe space to vent, talk shit, reflect, and most importantly, keep it real. It's better to trauma dump here so that we don't explode on innocent randos. Just admit it, you're bothered. What's up, Dilu Besties? Welcome back to another episode of Balancing the Bullshit. Hi. Oh my god, you guys. Karen, shocker, Karen had another epiphany. <laughs> yes. So we're starting out the episode pretty much like we do every episode with Karen's epiphany hour. Except this time Daniel was like, maybe this time like try to keep your ranting down. Maybe like don't repeat yourself. <laughs> Just, I tried to say it nicely. Was it, Did it come across nicely? Yeah, and you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. But you took your bivance today, so we should stay on track. I should track. be focused, yeah. Okay. We'll see. Okay. But it's also crazy what Karen, I got a 50 minute voice memo from you last week about your epiphany <laughs> i was like i'm gonna have to hold off on listening to this because i gotta set down really focus like 15 minutes out of my like day is like a lot reality tv show <laughs> yeah. yeah so karen's gonna share that with you guys and it's crazy because the card that we pulled to talk about today relates pretty much perfectly with what's going on with karen so let's start with the card and then you can share all right okay. so for the quote for today, don't surrender all your joy for an idea you used to have about yourself that isn't true anymore. Cheryl Strayed. Yeah. Okay. No, literally my life. So listen, you guys, I have been counting down the days. As soon as I sent Danny this voice memo at like six in the morning, I was like, I cannot wait to tell her to Lulu besties, but I cannot hold this in for a whole week. Last week, David was really busy because his cousin was in town visiting and was staying with him. And then David also was moving from his old house into his new apartment. And a new girl started at work and he had to train her and he had to drive to San Antonio to do that one day. So he just was super busy and had a lot going on. But he still was so attentive to me. I think I started to miss him, but it was like, I think cute honeymoon face kind of missing you like, mm -hmm. oh, I don't want to share you with all your friends. I think I just missed our one-on-one -on -one time. Quality time. Yeah, quality yeah. time. So that must be one of your love languages, quality time. Yes. Okay. Oh so my God. It does make sense. Because when I read that, when I did the test, I was like, okay, I guess. But no, this actually makes perfect yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, of course, my brain didn't process it as like a cute honeymoon. Oh, I miss you in a cute way. My fucking psycho ass brain immediately went to, I hate David. And then I was like, <laughs> why am I mad at him? Yeah, I didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> you sound like a great girlfriend. <laughs> Just thing. kidding. <laughs> So these thoughts started coming in one night when we we're supposed to hang out. And he was like, I'm really tired. I have to drive down early to San Antonio in the morning. Can we just hang out another night? Which a normal girlfriend would be like, obviously, I get it. You have a lot going on. No big deal. My psycho ass went home and was pissed and was like, oh, she doesn't want to hang out with me. And then I was like, Karen, we're 29 years old. Why are we being crazy? So I just tried brushing it off, almost like gaslighting myself. Like, it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But then I woke up still bothered by it. So then I was like, okay, maybe let's not gaslight myself like I usually do. We've been through so much fucking therapy, have spent all of our money. Maybe there's something that my mind is trying to tell me. So let's just sit with it for a little bit. 
and I journaled about it. So I went from the surface level feeling was mad and then I got a little bit deeper and I was confused and then a little bit deeper and I was like, wait, I'm starting to feel a little bit of sadness, but it wasn't until I sat with it and tried to discover what was going on. So I just ended up texting him. I just was like, is it just me? Am I being crazy or is something off between us? I keep trying to make sense of it by myself in my head and it's just not making any sense and it's starting to make me sad. And he was like, oh no, I just, I miss you and I want one-on-one -on -one time. It's been a while since we've had that. And I was like, oh, you're right. That's what it is. I'm sad because I just want quality time. So then I felt better. And he was like, well, let's hang out today when I get off work. But then he called me later and was like, well, my cousin who's in town, there's a basketball game on today. So he wants to watch that. So instead of hanging out with you right after work, I'm going to watch the game with him. And then I'll just come over to your apartment at nighttime. So I was like, okay, whatever. And then an hour later, I was like, you know what? Actually, now that I've had longer to sit with this thought, I actually don't love the idea. I asked for quality time and you coming over at nighttime when it's time to go to bed is not my definition of quality time, especially right in time for you to just get laid and then pass out. Yeah, that would bother me too. You were vulnerable right? with them and said, I need this. And he made plans. And then he said, oh, actually, I'm going to do this instead. But then I'll come. It's like you're not a priority anymore. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Which part of me gets it because he had so much going on that week. But then I was like, at the same time, and I said this to him, I was like, I'm not trying to be complicated or crazy. I understand that you are trying to be there for everybody. Work values you as an employee and they want you to go to St. Antonio train. Your cousin values you. He's in town visiting you. He wants your attention. I value you as a boyfriend. And you're just trying to share a piece of yourself with everyone. But at the same time, I need to be protective of my feelings for the first time in my entire life. And mm. it's fine. I'm not mad at you. I understand that you have all this going on, but I would rather hang out another time when you have time to spend quality time, not when you can just like bone me and then go to sleep. Yeah. So... Then he was he called me. I was like, I'm so sorry. I do miss you scratch that with my cousin I'm just gonna come over and hang out with you so he came over and That whole day I was feeling kind of low energy when he walked through the door My face lit up and I could sense myself immediately start to feel better and then within maybe like 30 minutes I was totally back to normal. I had a surge of energy come back to me I know exactly what you're talking about. Something that happens to me, I'm wondering if this happens to you too, when I'm in the stressful situation with that with someone I'm dating and I'm feeling low energy, I'm feeling anxious as soon as I get what I wanted, I guess, then all of a sudden I'm hungry. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> like my appetite, I don't have any appetite until I get the reassurance or the quality time, for example, and then my appetite comes back immediately. Yes! Isn't that crazy? Yes, and yeah. I never realize it when my appetite's gone, but this is mm -hmm. not the first time that this has happened with me and David, and then yeah, it's not until I get his attention again that I'm hungry and I'm like, oh shit, I haven't eaten all day, I just totally forgot about food. Yeah, and yeah, and this is not... I'm, this is not a good thing. We should yeah. not be so dependent. dependent on, yeah. So we went to sleep. I was fine. I was happy again. I was like, sorry, I'm crazy. I just missed you, but thanks for coming to hang out. And then I woke up at 5 a.m. and everything just hit me. Oh my God. I made the connection all the way back to childhood. So when my parents were still together, they got divorced when I was six years old. So this was so long ago. 
I remember I used to get so sick because my dad worked a lot and then he cheated on my mom. So he just wasn't really home ever. And I used to get so sick. My mom used to get really scared. She would take me to the doctor. They couldn't ever figure out what was wrong with me. Now that we've done so much therapy and I've learned about my anxiety, looking back, I'm like, oh, obviously that's a panic attack and anxiety kicking in for a little kid. But whatever, Mexicans also just don't even believe in mental health and that stuff. So same thing. As soon as my dad would come home, my super high fever would all of a sudden go away. I would be like shaking, sweating in bed. And all of a sudden, I'm just super happy again. And a rush of energy comes back. And I even remember one time I was sick at home and I called him. He is a college professor. And I called him and I was like, please come home. I just want to spend time with you. And I was really sick. And he was like, sorry, I'm giving a lecture. I can't. So I had already realized this about David. One of the things that I really like about him is that I feel safe with him, which is kind of confusing because I've never had that feeling before. But anyway, when I made the connection about how I was behaving to David, it was my childhood self kicking in. So I was like, okay, is my inner child trying to alert me that David is a narcissist and he's similar to my dad? Is that why I'm getting these similar symptoms? Or is it time for me to step in and be the adult and be like, yo, inner child, we're safe now. I can feel the safety. Like you can go the fuck to sleep. But it was already exciting enough that I realized that and the crazier thing is I think I've mentioned this before how now that I'm an entrepreneur my main focus with manifesting has been manifesting money a steady source of reliable income for myself as an entrepreneur but in order to get your manifestation you have to realize what you're really seeking behind the materialistic thing and for me it was the feeling of safety so it just was so crazy how I figured all of this out and how my adult self kicked in and was like, hey, we're safe now. As soon as I made that realization, then I just stopped desiring money. And it's so cool because this happens every single time that I manifest something. My desires always come from me trying to overcompensate for something. My book, Manifesting a Size Zero, I talk on there how I was trying to overcompensate for my insecurities. So I had to dig through so many layers of why am I not happy with the way that I look right now? Why am I trying to meet society standards that are telling me that I'm not good enough? Why am I believing that I'm not good enough? And it just went all the way back to my childhood insecurities. So as soon as I shed light on the childhood insecurities and then realize similar thing we're safe now you are worthy like you don't have to be this insecure girl then all of a sudden I started feeling secure with myself and so then I stopped desiring yeah. a dream body because like I didn't need that to validate me anymore I was already validated and it was the same moment now but with money where I wanted money because I thought that would make me feel safe but now I feel safe in my own That's body. That's so sweet. Yeah, it was such a cool moment. I was yeah. crying in bed but like good cry. Aww. It was 5.30 in the morning and I was like, David, are you awake yet? He was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I would be so annoyed. <laughs> I know. Poor thing. I'm already being a crazy girlfriend like, hey, give me attention and now I'm like, wake up, wake up. <laughs> like I 
have news to share. (laughs) (laughs) At one point, he was like, yeah, can you cable this for another 30 minutes? (laughs) We'll circle back around. (laughs) And then 30 minutes later, I was like, okay, what about now? Are you on now? Set a timer. (laughs) (laughs) No, literally. And he was like, oh, what? Like, I'm halfway here. And I was like, no, 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 listen, I've been in bed crying. Like, you got to wake up. I've got to tell you. And then I was like, you help me manifest money. You help me feel safe. And he was like, okay. This chick's crazy. (laughs) I was like, I got to go to work now. (laughs) Is that crazy? Yeah. I think that's super sweet, too. Thanks. Yeah. So, basically, the idea is you don't need money anymore to feel safe because you have that with David. Like he's providing you what you were looking for deep down, which actually wasn't money. It was safety. Yes. To summarize. Yes. Ah, I love that. And the cooler thing though is I didn't get to this moment until I rooted it all the way back to childhood because I've been dating David for three months now. And so I already knew that I was feeling safe with him, but just knowing that wasn't enough to then make me feel safe enough to not want money. Even if David and I say we break up tomorrow, I'll, yes, he helped me feel safety for the first time in my entire life. But now that I've felt that and that I know that I wanted that because I didn't have it in childhood. Now that I made the connection, I'm an adult now. We are safe. I could lose David tomorrow and still feel safe. I guess what I'm trying to say is I didn't shift my need or overcompensating desire for money into David. I think David just helped me heal. Does that make sense? No, it does make sense. Like you don't necessarily, if he's gone, you're not going to need him to still feel safe. You've learned the lesson. Yes. You've already learned the lesson and whether he's here or not, you know what's important to you and what you desire. Yes, Yeah. exactly. And I said that to him too. You helped me heal and manifest this, but also had it not been you because my main focus has been on manifesting this, if it wasn't through you, if you weren't in my life, I would have found the answer through somebody or something else. The universe would have sent something else along the way. Cool. Yeah. Okay, and so what's next as far as your relationship with money now that you know that's not what your true desire is but obviously it's still important to you so how do you look at that relationship now oh my god I feel so liberated literally every single day money was on the back of my mind how am I gonna make money I haven't made money yet what am I gonna do and now I truly am just not worried I feel like a huge weight has lifted off my shoulders to just wake up truly present and just excited without this lingering thought behind my head. It's going to come. It's been coming. The thing about manifesting is what you desire, you already have. Mm -hmm. It's just believing that you're worthy of it. And that's kind of when it all clicked for me. I have been unemployed and on this entrepreneur journey for eight months now. The money has been here the entire time. Yeah. I don't know how I'm not homeless living on the street. Somehow I'm still paying for my downtown apartment. I'm still traveling. I'm spending all this money on my business. The money's been here. My mind was bogged down with, how am I going to make money? And now that that thought is gone, now that I'm relaxed, I'm just like, oh, I am taken care of. I am safe. I already have money. I've been finding it one way or another. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to really worry anymore. I'm going to continue finding it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And we talked a lot yeah. about the our relationship with money in the last episode too. So this ties perfectly with that. Yeah. And it's crazy because 
I feel like this was almost like the grand finale. I kept having these small epiphanies and moments the last few weeks about money where I was making more and more sense and improving my relationship with it. And then this was like the final moment where I was like, holy shit, I get it all. It all makes sense now. Yeah. That is so cool. And yeah, you basically told or answered the question before I even got a chance to ask it. But the question was, <laughs> am I holding on to an idea about myself that's no longer true? Yeah. Which, yeah. Was Just holding much. on to the idea that I wasn't safe from childhood. Mm -hmm. But realizing I'm safe now. I, I've got my own back now. Yeah. Also, uh, the idea that money is going to solve all your problems. And that's your main desire. Yes. Yeah. What I was thinking literally my entire life was, oh, money will make me feel safe. And now I let go of that. Now it's, I am keeping myself safe. Yeah. Cool. All right. So the affirmation for anyone who wants to work on this, I won't allow an old story to stop me from writing a new one. Hell yeah. Yeah, you did it. And I think this card, obviously, it, I feel like a lot of people can relate to what you said with money. There's more there about why you're desiring money too. But this could be about anything also. Like you were <clears throat> born and your parents told you you need to go into this type of career. That's a story that, or a belief that they put into your head at a young age. And it doesn't mean it's too late to rewrite that story or change the story. Yeah. What's that saying? Life is 1% reality, 99% the story you tell yourself or what you make of it or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Pretty much is it's let go of the story that you've been telling yourself. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. For today's episode, we are going to continue asking the get to know you questions from the list that we had last week. And I think the next Two questions that we're going to start with are kind of tied to what we just talked about, which is relationship stuff, which everyone always enjoys. So the first question is, what is the most meaningful relationship you've ever had? So this can be romantic or not romantic. Okay. This sounds so cliche. It's honestly the relationship with myself, mm, which yeah. I'm very proud to say as dumb and cliche as it sounds because... It's taken me so much work. I've been in, in and out of therapy my entire life. And that's all been strengthening the relationship with myself and getting to know myself better. And the relationship with myself is what sets the stage for any other relationship in my life. So like the more healed that I become, the healthier version that I become, then the healthier that I can show up for other relationships in my life, whether it's like friendship, professional, whatever, any kind of relationship. Because it sets the stage of what I'm going to settle for, what I'm going to attract in my life, what I'm going to accept and keep around. If I'm in a really shitty place with myself internally, if I'm feeling down about myself, if I'm letting my insecurities get the best of me, then it's just a funny coincidence that I tend to gravitate towards people that are not doing so hot in life, that are not the best influences. And then when I really have my shit together, when I have set such a high standard for myself and I've got my self-discipline going on and I'm respecting myself and my own boundaries, then I just can't tolerate anybody else in my life who doesn't respect me or mm. themselves or their own boundaries. So then my life has got a 
elevated level, I guess you could say. That's a good, damn, that was my answer to shame. Because I should have, <laughs> I didn't think about saying myself, but that is, it should be the most important relationship for everyone. What's you know? yours? I had two big ones that affected me. My first relationship with, with a girl, and that was life-changing for me because it kind of made me accept who I am. And Aww. I just learned a lot about myself through that process. I love that. Yeah, but I think even more importantly is my most recent relationship that I've mentioned a few times. It was definitely the hardest breakup I've been through, the most heartbreaking one. It had me kind of wake up in a sense that I had to start taking therapy more seriously, start waking up and realizing I have major insecurities and those need to be looked into and actually addressed. I was going to therapy, but I wasn't taking it super seriously. And when that happened, I fell flat on my face. I wanted to do anything I could to not experience that again. And that just kind of opened so many doors for me. I discovered new hobbies. I discovered I'm a spiritual person, which I never thought that about myself before. Yeah, same. Like I never would have discovered that if it wasn't for this terrible breakup. It just led me to read a bunch of self-help books that have just done Aww. so much for me and just changed my view on relationships and trauma and everything. And yeah, the biggest thing was it forced me to explore my childhood trauma that I'd always been ignoring. I knew I had it, but I wasn't doing anything about it. So it just forced me to face my demons, I guess. I love that. Yeah, so that was actually the most important relationship I've ever had. I mean, both were at very different stages of my life and both taught me a lot. Aww. Yeah. Laura, our life coach, said life's biggest gifts come with the ugliest wrapping. And oh, I love that. Your hard breakup, mm -hmm. you're like, oh, what? this is so awful. Why am I going through this? But it was the greatest blessing. Yeah, like, everything can, that came from it. Right. Now I can look back and say, thank you. Like, yeah. I'm so grateful for that, which I, I never thought I would say that. Oh, isn't yeah. it so nice to finally get there mm -hmm. where you are grateful for it and you're not confused and sad every day? Like, yeah, why did this still happen? Upset, still mad. Yeah, still oh. yeah, holding on to negativity. Yeah. Cute. That's yeah. a great answer. Yeah. Okay, the next question is, what are some difficult lessons you've learned from past romantic relationships? Oof. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'll go first. So, this... I want to say this was the hardest thing I've learned from Laura, but I mean, goddamn, everything I've learned from her was just so hard. But she had to tell me so many times where I would be sad over a boy or a situation and she would be like, Karen, no one is coming to save you. You have to save yourself. First, I'd get pissed. And second of all, I would just be confused. Like, what do you mean no one's coming to save me? And I think it was because... Now that I've figured out all of my insecurities, you know, what I was just talking about wanting money to save me in a way because I thought that would make me feel safe because I didn't feel safe at home and I like crave my dad's love that I never got. All these things that stemmed from childhood that weren't healed. I thought that something outside of myself would heal that and I 
put a lot of emphasis and responsibility on romantic relationships. None of this was conscious either, but I just always romanticized relationships and wanting to get into one because I just thought like I would dream about, oh, if I'm in love in a romantic relationship, then I'll have this happily ever after that movies sell us and life doesn't work that way. The answer was to heal myself. And on top of that, now that I am in a healthy relationship, I can easily look back and realize how when I was in a toxic place wanting to be saved by somebody else like a relationship, I was not a good match for a healthy relationship. So I literally had to save myself first in order mm -hmm. to like be a good match for a healthy relationship. So yeah, that was the hardest lesson because that took, I mean, literally my entire life up until now to get into a healthy relationship. Yeah. Yeah, that is a tough one. And I have a lot to say about this question, actually, because I agree with all of that. And also, I do want to talk about some stuff that kind of challenges that a little bit, but not completely. So we've mentioned the book before, Attached, that is about attachment theory. So if for anyone who doesn't know, people can be anxiously attached or avoidantly attached. So anxious people are going to be always anxious and trying to seek validation from their partner and feel like, oh, they're not good enough. And then avoidant people are more independent and they feel like they don't want to be smothered and they got to keep people at a arm's distance. So these two people always kind of end up together and that's what makes these relationships so challenging and toxic and we are both anxiously attached people and as you know we've both always ended up usually with avoidant people and it just turns mm, out to be yeah. a disaster uh, but what we actually need is a securely attached partner which that's someone who just basically doesn't have any of the the baggage secure people they'll just be secure with themselves they're able to provide for you they don't feel like they are going to be smothered by you. They're going to be reassuring and just make you feel at ease. So that's what everyone should be striving for in a relationship. We live in a society where dependency is frowned upon and independency is praised. Everyone's saying that like, you should be able to do this all for yourself. Like you don't need another person to make you happy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's always been just kind of accepted as the truth. In the 1940s, it was taught that coddling a child would result in them growing up like needy or insecure and they would always need to be validated and they'd just be considered a weak person. So back then people were pushing their parents to kind of give their kids tough love, but which as we know is not really the answer. Yeah. That's detrimental. Yeah, absolutely. So for the longest time that was the belief, uh, but this was debunked in the 1950s and 1960s when attachment theory started to be looked into more. So like anxious attachment, secure, avoidant. Essentially, it is a myth that everyone should be codependent and that your well-being is no one's responsibility but your own. That your happiness should come from within and no one else should be able to disturb that. And that your happiness is not someone else's responsibility and theirs is not your responsibility. So you should be able to separate yourself and keep the focus on yourself. If you develop a dependency in some way, it means that you are deficient in some way and need to work on yourself to develop more confidence. So this is all stuff we've heard over and over again. You need to be strong. You need to be able to make yourself happy. This actually makes so much sense. This just made me realize how back in the day, 
when you kind of had a village helping the mother raise mm-hmm. the kid, like the grandma was very present in the kid's life. And so was your mom. All that kind of support just makes sense rather than the mom trying to do it all herself with no family around. Yeah. Where did this independence bullshit come from? Right. I feel like people still feel like that. Like they have to be independent to I literally be did up until two seconds ago that you read all this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, adult attachment theory teaches us that anxiously attached people feel the need they need to control or hide their emotions and that they shouldn't be needy. I think we can relate to that. Yeah, like playing it cool. Yeah, it's looked upon as like a bad thing. Which is, this is actually wrong. Instead of the problem being that they are too needy, it means the opposite. Getting attached means our brains become wired to seek support of a partner by ensuring the partner's close proximity, both physically and psychologically. So this just made me think of my last relationship, which was long distance. I genuinely believe now, at least starting a relationship off with long distance, that that probably is not going to work. You need to yeah. have your partner you close. Need close proximity. Yeah, to just feel safe. This just made me think too how I used to always try to be the cool girl. Play cool. Don't show that you're too interested because then he's going to be turned off. And Laura, anytime a new date would come up with a guy, she would be like, okay, be vulnerable this time on this date. And I would be like, what does that mean? And it wasn't until with David that I finally was like, you know what? I don't give a shit. If he doesn't like me back, whatever, but I'm just going to stop trying to be the cool girl. And now look at where I'm at. It was reciprocated. Absolutely. Yeah. And why would you hide yourself from your partner like why did we never think about that before like why do we want to pretend to be someone that we aren't that because now looking back at all the previous guys that i've tried dating i just seemed so cold and emotionally unavailable not available for a relationship because i yeah i couldn't talk about my feelings or anything like that makes no sense Mm -hmm. so if our partner fails us and we aren't getting the support and attention that we need we are programmed to continue our attempts to achieve closeness. So anxious people are always going to keep trying to get that attention and reassurance and validation that they actually rightfully need from their partner. As opposed to if we are actually given that attention, then we can just move past whatever stressful situation that we're in. Yeah, and just relax. Right, right. So the key is for our partner to not make you feel ashamed for wanting closeness. For example, spending time together, holding hands, giving a pep talk. It also helps the avoidant person put out the fire, so to speak. So instead, of, it's going to help them too. So instead of having to deal with whatever stressful situation is going on with their partner, they're going to be able to like put it at ease, move past it, and then you guys can both move forward and focus on other things instead of arguing or whatever is going on that's causing all of this this is literally what just happened with me and david right because i would say he's pretty secure and yeah i was like hey i want quality time so he was like okay let's literally what you just said like okay let's give you the attention and then we both are now able to move on in a healthy way back to our lives of yeah being independent i'm now more confident and secure with myself everything you're saying adds up yeah it's crazy yeah it's all based on research and study so there's yeah there's a lot more to this so the need to have a partner and share our lives with someone is part of our genetic makeup and has nothing to do with how much we love ourselves or how fulfilled we are on our own dependency will always exist once we choose a partner 
no matter how independent you are. So through evolution, it is proved that there is a much stronger chance of survival through companionship, as well as being invested in the well-being of your partner. So think if your partner is upset or needs something or they're in danger, you're going to do everything you can to protect them. Yeah. So like you need that companionship to survive. Does that make sense? Mm. This is if we're going yeah. back to the Stone Ages, for example. No, it makes so much sense. And even what I was saying, without even a romantic partner, when you have like the great grandma and the grandma and everybody raising the kid, but it's just so hard to unlearn. I'm also confused at the same time, just because it's been drilled into our mind. Be independent. Don't rely on anybody. Right. But no, this all makes sense. Mm-hmm. So avoidant people suppress these powerful forces, unlike secure and anxious individuals. Which this made me realize I'm not crazy or needy for just simply wanting my partner's attention. Yeah, that's how I'm feeling. I think we always try to fight it. When we want that attention, then we gaslight ourselves. Like, no, 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 figure it out on your own. And this is making me feel way less crazy. Right. Yeah, so I guess getting back to the actual question was one of the hardest or most important lessons you've learned from relationships. This was a big one, that me being a little bit anxious and needing reassurance and just attention from my partner is not a bad thing. Yeah, you're validating. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I thought this part was important. This does not mean that we need to be joined at the hip with our partner and give up other aspects of our lives. It actually means the opposite, which is confusing to understand at first, but how can we act more independent when being dependent on our partner? It doesn't really make sense logically yeah but the ability to step out into the world and go for what we want is easier when you have someone beside you to count on and someone who supports you you know what that even makes me think of somebody who kind of had to raise themselves like maybe didn't have parents available there's kids that go out and raise themselves at 16 years old. They leave their parents because their parents just weren't present in their lives. They don't have parents to fall back and rely on. They're always on survival mode and grinding, just trying to make it versus think of somebody who was super sheltered, always has their parents to fall back on, even in adulthood. That kind of a kid is way more confident and can just go through life in a much more easeful way versus yeah. the other person. Yeah. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with someone who had to grow up and fend for themselves. I think that does build a very strong person. But like you said, they are going to be always kind of a little guarded and living in fear. Yeah. So the whole premise of this is if you want to take the road to independence and happiness, find the right person to depend on and travel down it with that person. So I think this kind of challenges what you were saying a little bit, like you had to figure out everything for yourself first before you got into a relationship. I still think both things can be true. Me being a healthy match for David is in a totally different sense than what we're talking about. I think maybe just the way we live our lifestyles and we both can set boundaries now and communicate. I'm a healthy match for him that way. But in this way, I agree. I think we're only a good match because he's secure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think going back to what you said before about needing your time to work on yourself. Yeah, that is important. And once you get to the point where you can recognize like, oh, this is an avoidant person that I should not 
be pursuing versus, oh, this is a secure person who's making me feel safe and secure and everything. You're able to better navigate that and you're able to pursue people who you know are actually good for you. And most, a lot of people can't do that because they haven't taken the time, like you said, to do the work on themselves. It's not something that just gets cured out of nowhere. So basically this whole idea that we can do better with a partner, like a secure partner, was kind of proven with a test that was called the strange situation test. And essentially what this test was, a parent and their child are in a room with a bunch of toys. When the parent's there, the child's curious, playing with the toys, and more confident. If the parent left the room, the child is immediately distraught, crawls towards the door and is crying for their parent. They're no longer interested in the toys. They just want their parent back. Even though they weren't paying attention to their parent while their parent was in the room, they were still playing with the toys. But as soon as the parent leaves, they're missing them. They're wanting them to come back. And then once the parent does come back, then the child embraces them and then goes back to playing with the toys. So it just goes to show just having the presence of the parent there, the child is confident in a setting that's not familiar with them and they're confident to go play with the toys no, I'm yeah. shook. This makes so much sense. I can't right. believe this isn't talked about more. Right, yeah. And I mean, it's the same thing in adulthood. Yeah. If you have your partner there supporting you, you're going to be more confident to go out into the world and succeed. You're going to be able to be more creative, more confident. This is crazy. Right? Yeah, that was very eye-opening when I heard that. Yeah. Whoa. I feel like this just healed me. <laughs> right? <laughs> Everyone needs to read this book. That's crazy. And I don't know. I feel like this could be controversial because there's so many yeah. people out there that think, oh, you don't need anyone. And I'm not saying you you do need a partner. You're perfectly capable of doing all of this without a partner. But if you do have a partner and they are not the right match for you, like you're anxious and they are avoidant. Like it's a hundred percent going to be harder to do it that way. Oh, as yeah. opposed to if you had a secure partner or even if you were by yourself. But I still think I genuinely believe now having that support of a really secure partner is probably going to be better than doing it on your own. I guess it's the same thing as saying, yes, you can get into the white collar field without a college degree, but having that support of having a college degree just makes it so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. True. The reason I'm so convinced about this is all the research and studies that have done on it and done on this. The one that we just talked about, for example, there's another one that talks about how having a partner and being happy with that partner not only contributes to your psychological health, mental health, but also your physical health. So it regulates your blood pressure, the hormones, your heart rate and your breathing, all these actual physical things. So there was a study done where they were monitoring the brain activity of women who they were about to shock, which is obviously a stressful situation. So they were telling this these women, you're about to receive a shock. They were studying their hypothalamus in their brain, which that controls their kind of like fear, their heart rate, their mood. So if that lights up, that means it's kind of like they're in fear or they're Mm -hmm. anticipating something that's about to be very stressful. So they were studying that on women who had no one in the room with them and the hypothalamus would light up. 
And then they studied it with women who had a stranger in the room with them holding their hand and it didn't light up as much. And then they studied with women who was had their partner in there holding their hand and it was a dramatic decrease of their hypothalamus lighting up. Oh my God, you know what this just made me realize? Oh, literally my entire thing of therapy that I always have to go back to is just letting go of all the bullshit that society has shoved down our throats. This is making me realize all the times that we've gaslighted ourselves overthinking like, oh, play it cool. Don't show your emotions. We should listen to our bodies. Obviously, wanting a relationship, our body's craving it for a reason. It's going to make us a better person. Yeah. Stop gaslighting yourself. Right. It's going to make you more successful. It's going to make you mentally happy and, and stable stable and also physically it's it benefits you there too so even there have been studies on this too people who don't have that good support from a partner they're more likely to get diseases or get sick which i, I mean, totally believe yeah which you said that used to happen to you as a kid with your oh, dad yeah. it's yeah. definitely happened to me even when i was with my last partner who was super avoided and I wasn't getting what I needed and I'd never get sick. But I remember I got so sick with when I was dating him at one point. That's so crazy. And it was during a really stressful time when we were not on the same page and we were heading towards breakup. Mm. And I don't think that was a coincidence that I got the sickest I've ever been in my life actually. It is so crazy what listening to our bodies and feelings and emotions will do. It literally mm -hmm. is all we need to guide us through life. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is kind of just relating back to following your intuition as well. Yes, same thing. Yeah, it's all connected. Even when at first I was pissed at David and then confused and then sad, it was following my emotions, which not only made my relationship with him stronger, it then helped me heal all the way from my deep-rooted childhood trauma. It then mm -hmm. helped me manifest money. Literally, just fucking follow your body and your emotions. Yeah, yeah. Which is really hard to do that. It's, it's hard yes. to just tell people to do that. and the, It takes a lot of work and practice. to get there and a lot of practice. Yeah, because you're, you're going to be convinced of something It's much some easier point. to gaslight yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, the next thing I want to talk about is some symptoms of anxiously attached people to see if we have done them in past Ooh, okay. relationships or not. So these are some things that anxiously attached people will do. Number one, excessive attempts to reestablish contact. Yep. You did that? Yep. I feel like I did that too, <laughs> right? Like double texting or blowing them up or... Or when the guy has made it clear that he's not interested in me where I should just walk away, then I'll text him again or call him again. Yeah. And then I just get rejected all over again. Right. And or then like, I try again. Yeah. Or find an excuse to reach out again. Yes. To kind of weasel your way back in. Yes. That's what I would do. Same. Yeah. I mean, I would not be caught dead doing that now, but like uh -uh. that's definitely something I used to do. <laughs> Withdrawing, like going silent. Yeah. I did that to a lot too. To see if he would then reach out. It right. was playing a mind game, which is yeah. so immature. Yeah. And I would do that in person too. If I felt I wasn't getting the attention I needed in some sort of way, I would just kind of shut down and not talk and be like, oh, now he'll have to ask me what's wrong and try to make me feel better. But so, he never would, no. right? No, and then you would just feel worse and worse and worse. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, God. This is a big one. Keeping score. So, for example, how long it takes them to return a call or text, oh. saying to yourself, like, oh, I'm not going to text them first today because 
he didn't text me first the last three days. Oh, God. This might be the one I was worst about. Yeah, saying that's probably one of my top ones, if not yeah, the top like one. Yeah, like he score on everything. Oh, he took an hour to text back. Well, I'm going to take an hour and a half. Oh, my God. Yes. It's so nice <laughs> with David. We'll text each other back within seconds. Uh, no games. Yeah. Okay, God, God that, that's a bad one. Acting hostile. So eye rolling, looking away, leaving the room. And yeah. it still wouldn't work. No. I'd be like, are you going to come chase me? Hello? Yeah, like you're doing it as a way to make them come to you and try to make you feel better. But again, they don't. And then you no. go worse. Yep. <laughs> I was bad about that too. Anytime I didn't feel supported or like I was getting the attention I needed, I would turn it into, it would eventually lead to a fight. Did you do that? No, like because I feel like the argument? guys didn't even care to fight with me. Oh, really? Oh, it would always turn into a... Like, I would make it into an argument. Like, I would keep trying and keep either acting hostile or keep withdrawing until it just blew up. No, I didn't even get enough attention from guys to let it turn into a fight or to blow up. They literally okay. gave zero fucks about me. I don't know who's who's worse then. <laughs> that's, that's both pretty... That's pretty shitty for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> threatening to end the relationship yup you did that yeah especially with don the guy that i met on the boat mm -hmm. i'd be like you don't care about me this isn't going anywhere we're done and he'd be like okay and then i'd come back a few like, months later and be like hey do you want to try again <laughs> <laughs> oh man you were down bad oh god this is actually one that i didn't do that much because i was so insecure about losing them that i didn't even want to put it out there that the idea of breaking up does that really? make sense? Yeah, I was too scared to even suggest that because I didn't want them to say, okay. No, I definitely will in the moment, but then I'll go back on my word. Yeah. With my last relationship, I did do that. I was like, let's just end this. I'm never going to be a priority to you. And then when he agreed, I was like, no, wait, I didn't actually mean <laughs> like, that. Wait, yeah. And then you so didn't I did that. go back like, just kidding. Well, he did say yes, and then the next day I did go back, and I was like, well, this isn't really what I want. See, so yeah, that's that what I would do. That's the only time I've ever done that, though. Oh, no, I would do this even with guys I wasn't in relationships with. Guys, I'm just dating. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> okay, manipulation, such as pretending to be busy, saying that you have plans when you don't, or purposely taking a long time to reply to make them think mind games. Definitely taking a long time to reply. Yeah, we kind of already talked about that one. I guess it's different for everyone, but it doesn't have to be those examples that we just used. But I feel like, yeah, I was definitely manipulative with exes. Yeah. Yikes. Okay. Trying to make them feel jealous. Talking with your ex, going out with single friends, or talking about someone who hit on you. Yep. You did just, on that? Or, what? Definitely... Someone who hit on me to try to you would, like try to make them jealous attention. in that way. Yeah, and again, I don't think it ever worked. I don't think they cared. No, <laughs> <laughs> like that's cool. You should go talk to him. <laughs> Oof, that's even worse. I know. <laughs> okay. God, this is all making me realize how nice it is that I finally don't have to play games with David. Right, like no stress. It's just uh, you could just be natural. straight up, and it's reciprocated and yeah. respected. Yeah, crazy concept. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. So okay, essentially there is a gravitational pull between anxious and avoidant people. So they always kind of seek each other out because it reaffirms what they already believe about themselves. So for example, 
avoidantly attached people have this perception that they are strong and independent. So it is confirmed when their partner wants to pull them in closer than what they are comfortable with. Yeah, I don't get so like it. an avoidant person, they see themselves as strong and independent, and anyone else is going to disrupt that. And it's going to be too needy, and they're too independent. They can't, they don't want to handle all that. And so when they're with an anxiously attached person who does make them feel like, they're being too needy, then that just kind of reaffirms what they already believe about themselves. Oh, oh, that's crazy. Wait, yeah. that makes so much sense. Oh my God, Noah from San Francisco. Mm -hmm. okay. He was like, I, I just can't give you all this time and attention that you need. And he was very narcissistic, full of himself, super independent. And that makes sense because it was feeding his ego. Like, oh yeah, I'm independent. They don't want to see anything else. They're like, this is who I am. Oh my and God. And you just proved it. So That's it makes so it kind of interesting. Just, yeah. In their mind, it confirms what they believe. Holy shit. Okay. This goes back to manifesting. How really all manifesting is, it's just clearing up these deep rooted stories that you're telling yourself. Mm -hmm. So if Noah were to go dig deep into his childhood, clear up that story and realize, okay, what trauma am I avoiding that then caused me to start telling myself this story so I could avoid this deep-rooted issue. Once he clears all of that up and he lets go of that, then he's no longer carrying this need everywhere that he goes to prove mm -hmm. through relationships that he is this independent person. He needs to reaffirm that. So then he stops manifesting that. Yeah, Once he stops bringing that into his life. Yeah, that's literally what manifesting is. Yeah. And then the door is going to open to a much healthier relationship. Yeah. And then after that, he can then just recreate a new story, a healthy story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Uh, yeah. What a wild concept. Crazy. I can't believe more people don't talk about this stuff. I know. When I say it out loud, that makes so much sense. It's so obvious. Yeah. So it's such common why, sense. Why are we so set in the belief that... It's like, where did society come up with all of these bizarre stories that we all believe? Like, be independent. Yeah. Fuck that. Right. Yeah, it's not wrong to want love and support and companionship. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy to me. <laughs> I'm shook. <laughs> yeah. Because I've always, I've always wanted a relationship, and I would tell myself, oh, but that just means you're having to rely on someone else. Like, yes! you need to be able to do it on your own. Yes! You know, which going back to what we said, like, yes, that is important, but biologically, that's not how we were born, I guess. Yeah, and it's just what I was saying earlier. That's a form of us gaslighting ourselves. Oh, we don't actually need that or we don't want that. Let's just disregard that. Mm -hmm. Explore that. Follow what your body and emotions are telling you. Right. Right. What we just said about avoidantly attached people, it's the same for anxiously attached people. So they will seek out are drawn to avoidantly attached people because it reaffirms what they believe about themselves too so that they are needy maybe that they aren't good enough so they're seeking out people avoidant people who are making them feel like that and that just confirms like oh yep yeah, i knew it this was the hardest thing for me to grasp in therapy because 
I was like, why do I keep repeating the same pattern over and over again? Why do I keep picking guys like my dad who aren't showing up for me, who aren't emotionally available, who are narcissists? Obviously, I'm hurt from that. Obviously, I don't want it. And this is the wild thing about therapy. Time to really heal that deep-rooted wound to finally be able to separate yourself from it and stop subconsciously picking it. Yeah, it's crazy. That actually reminds me of another study that I read about that people will stay with the fear that they know, which makes sense why we will stay with avoidant people who remind us of our traumatic childhoods. So they did a study on dogs who they kept locked in cages, which is kind of a sad study. I always think it's sad when they do it on animals, but it is a good way to kind of see how they react and how it can relate to humans. So they shot some dogs in the cage and then other dogs, they didn't. And when they opened the door, like the dogs who were not shocked ran and got out of there. But the dogs that were shocked still stayed in the cage, even though they could escape. Interesting. And I feel like it's similar for humans too. They would rather just stay in the situation, the fearful situation, than get out and move on and escape from it. You know, the dogs who never got shocked, they never had fear instilled in them, which is why they were able to just run out. But then the dogs who got shocked, they had fear instilled in them. And so Mm -hmm. it just stayed. Once the gate was open, they were still afraid. Yeah. They were probably like, oh, I don't want to go out and see what else is going to hurt me. That's so interesting. Yeah. And I feel like we do that as humans too with relationships. Oh, 1000%. Mm-hmm. So we just stay with what we know. We know, okay, I've, this sucks. I've been through this before, but I know I can handle it and I'm just used to it. So you stay with it. Oh my God. And you know what? This also goes back to how when I had that epiphany about David and how I related it back to my childhood wounds, I think. Part of it was my inner child being uncomfortable because we're finally in a new situation that it's not familiar with. And so that was my inner child trying to protect me like, hey, we don't want to become even more afraid and wounded than we already are. Mm -hmm. So let's just go back to what we already know, which is the mistreatment. Right. We don't even accept that there could be something better. Yeah. Because we're too afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. That's sad. I know. What we're saying obviously makes a lot of sense, but to actually put in the work and overcome that fear and allow yourself to be in a new situation, it's way harder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know we've been talking a lot about you can be more successful with a partner, but also you have to do the work for yourself to be able to even choose that right partner. Yeah. Yeah. And it's real work. We're aware that this is way easier said than done. Right. But you're worth it. You are worth it. So I think our main takeaway from today is people who do have an anxious or even avoidant attachment style, don't feel like you are wrong for feeling and acting the way you do in relationships. There is a reason you're acting that way. Just be kinder to yourselves. And the key is not to cure your attachment style. It's to find a partner that is secure and actually supports you and can put you at ease and not make you feel crazy or needy or not make you feel if you're avoidant, make you feel smothered. 
Yeah. In other words, my piece of advice to wrap this all up is don't gaslight yourself. So for example, if you actually have feelings, stop trying to play the cool girl or guy. Just be open and honest about your feelings. Like how I just was like, hey, David, I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm being crazy, but what's going on? And Either it'll be a good turnout where you'll realize, oh, this guy is secure, which is a good match for me because like David helped me figure out my own emotions and he showed up for me. Or the guy can just show that he's not interested. And then that's a message for you as, hey, this isn't the guy for me. Yeah. Nothing bad is going to come from being vulnerable and being honest with your partner. If they give you an answer that shuts you down, then you have your answer. Yes. And then you can get out of that toxic situation. Mm -hmm. Which again is easier said than done because that's happened to all of us and we still mm -hmm. stay. It just mm -hmm. takes practice, a lot of practice. Yeah. All right, you guys. And that's a wrap for season one. Thanks for hanging with us. Yeah, this has honestly been one of the most fun and fulfilling things that we've ever done. We've had mm -hmm. such a good time with you guys. We appreciate everyone who has tuned in and we hope that everyone has taken at least one thing away from this. And yeah, we'll see you guys again very soon. Love y'all. Bye. Listen up, Delulu besties. If you want to learn all about manifesting and become a master at attracting anything you want in your life, check out my virtual manifesting masterclass, karen-rico.com slash shop, or click on the link in the show notes. And if you want to watch us podcast every week, check out our YouTube channel, Balancing the Bullshit, or click on the link in the show notes.